Everyone has a relationship with gender. What's your story? Hello and welcome to Gender Stories with your host, Dr. Alex Yantafi. Hello and welcome to another episode of Gender Stories. I'm delighted to be here with Jen Winston, their bisexual writer, creative and creative director. Jen runs a monthly newsletter called The Bi-Monthly and their first essay collection, Greedy, Notes from a Bisexual Who Wants to Match, just came out uh, on Yay. October 5th, right? It's so exciting. And I'm it, interviewing. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so excited to be interviewing Jen like two days after her book came out. Jen's work bridges the intersections of sex, politics, and technology, and has been featured by the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, CNN, and even more outlets. Jen is passionate about unlearning and creating work that helps others do the same. She lives in Brooklyn with her partner, dogs, and her iPhone. I love that you mentioned your iPhone. <laughs> I also have some attachment to, to I this know. technology. It's something I'm working. <laughs> it's really something I'm working through. It's something my partner's been very patient with me throughout the course of writing this book because I wrote this whole book in less than a year. Um, and it's like, which is like, something I would not wish on my work own worst enemy, that timeline. Like I was so excited and I thought that would be a good idea, but we wanted to get the book out on by visibility day. Mm-hmm. And that was just like, that was not worth what it, what it did to my life. Um, but I'm really happy it's done. But I, what all that is to say that my iPhone is, is like a tier on my hierarchy of needs right now, which I don't want it to be there. <laughs> No, I understand. I feel like, you know, my iPhone is like in that intimate circle of important relationships. Uh So I I thought that that was lovely, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, it's so nice to have you here on Gender Stories. And I so appreciate you making the time. And I'm so excited to talk about your book. Why don't we start from there? Yeah. Wait, sorry. Sorry. Before we get into it, I just (laughs) want to say I'm so excited to be here um, because right when I got this book deal in the beginning um, and when I started questioning my gender identity, like uh, my partner bought me your book, Life is Binary. um, And I was like so moved by it. And um, I I learned so much from it. And and I I was also really struck by, there were a few things I was really struck by um, that I'll probably just work in throughout this conversation. But I, I was especially struck by the fact that the sexuality chapter is the first chapter because mm-hmm. I feel like that's kind of how bisexuality has been for me in my life. Like it is now a, a, a lens and a way of looking at the world that is in my toolkit and allows me to see everything as less binary. Um, so that really resonated with me. And just thank you. Yay. (laughs) You're so welcome. I'm so, I'm always so excited. You know, when you write, you can just, just writing in a vacuum, right? You don't know Mm -hmm, your readers mm -hmm. are going to be. So it's always so amazing when readers are like, that really spoke to me or that was so important to me. So, and it was very intentional that Mac John and I started with sexuality. I figured. I figured. And I, I didn't, I don't think I understood your intention, honestly, until a few months later, 
when I was sort of like, oh, like my bisexuality really informed my ability to look at the world differently. Um, and then I kind of like thought back on that and I was like, oh, that was amazing. Oh, that's great. And I feel that, you know, for me, my bisexuality really opened up the gender box and my gender exploration 20 years ago mm-hmm. <laughs> at this point. I feel old when I say that's the kind of things. But so I think that leading with that did feel really important. And talking about books, you know, you wrote a memoir. And I'm always, when people write a memoir, one of the things I'm always curious about is what motivated you, right? Because it can feel mm-hmm. so intimidating to write about your own life and people, you know, who've been uh, in your life. So tell me mm-hmm. a little bit more about the motivation for your book. Uh, yeah, well, it definitely has been intimidating. I've had like a few people who are like mentioned in the book, kind of like text me and and be like, can't wait to read it. And I'm like, maybe you shouldn't read it. <laughs> like I, I changed their names if, if they shouldn't read it. But um and we did the whole thing with the legal team that's like helping me avoid <laughs> any potential uh, disasters. But, um, you know, I tried, I've tried my whole life to write things other than memoir. And like, unfortunately, that's the only thing that I, that I enjoy writing. Um, I told someone the other day that I fear I am an essayist forever. And I would love to be a novelist. Like th- somebody called my book a novel the other day thinking that, they thought they said they thought the term novel encompassed memoir. I'm, I'm not sure it does, but I was like, I guess I'll take it. Cause like, I would <laughs> love to be a novelist. Cause I think there's something so egotistical about memoir. Also, it's like, why do people care about my story? And like, I'm someone with a ton of privilege. I'm a white, I mean, well, cis femme presenting, uh, like, non-disabled, relatively thin person, you know, I am, I walk through the world with tons of privilege. And then I think also to like write a memoir that's about bisexuality, which very few of them exist that are so overt. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was very important to me to be very overt about it. Um, But to do that, I, I was like really nervous that this book would get held up as like the book, you know, uh, like, for like the bisexual book, which like it kind of, I guess it kind of is like for October, 2021, um, which is good. Please buy it. But um, (laughs) I, yeah, I I was really nervous about that. Like, especially because something I encountered while writing it, like I knew I wanted to bring in a bunch of statistics and like um, earlier drafts of the book actually were much more stat heavy and like mm-hmm. um, much more, I guess, similar in tone to, to your book um, or to life is binary. It was more educational, yeah. um, but it wasn't really resonating with some of my early readers. And so I was like, you know what, this is a memoir. I'm not like, I didn't go to college for gender studies. Everything I've learned, I've learned just like on my own. I'm not trying to be an educator. I'm trying to be a memoirist, I guess. Um, and so I, I ended up taking a lot of that stuff out. But one thing I did find uh, that I already like loosely knew, but it really solidified it for me when I started to do research, is that there's so little research about different intersections of bisexuality. It's like, mm-hmm. I mean, there's already so little research about it in general, um, but especially across different intersections. Like I kept trying to find information about like race and bisexuality and I just like there's just like nothing and Mm -hmm. I mean also like non-binary bisexual 
people are just like completely erased by almost all of the research, which includes now it includes me. Uh, now that I'm like out, um, it includes, I guess you, as you, um, and yeah. my partner, you know, and, and, um, I think an, another reason I was so driven to write this book about like bisexuality is because the binary stigma of bisexuality really bothered me, um, and, and put off my coming out for quite a while. Cause mm-hmm. I was like, I, something I didn't, I didn't want to like claim a word that could potentially discount a group of people's identity. Mm-hmm. And I was like being so, you know, sensitive about it. And it's like, yeah, I, I, I wanted to make sure I wanted to claim bisexuality and to make it very clear that it is not a binary term. Um, and that it's mm-hmm. not necessarily like at odds with pansexuality, um, or queerness in general. So I, I wanted to like, kind of correct some of the stuff I see happening in the bi community. And I say that in quotes, because I don't know that there really is that much of a bike. I mean, it's very small. Um, the, the internet, the bi internet, I see so many people um, being like, I'm attracted to men and women. And I'm like, Oh, stop. Like you're a whole, like, that's not how I see my bisexuality. And it really sucks when other bi people are, viewing their sexuality that way. Cause I'm like, we all gotta, you know, we gotta do better, but it's like that stigmatizes bisexuality in this way that hurts all bi people. So it, that was really passionate, something I was really passionate about when writing it. So I hope that comes through. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, actually I was gonna, one of the questions or things I wanted to talk to you about was, you know, all those myths about bisexuality. And that was one of them, right? That bisexuality reinforces the binary. That's, that's one of my pet peeves when people say that, you know, mm-hmm. as a trans non-binary person where I feel actually that bisexual community in the UK, which is where I first kind of came out as bisexual was really where the gender box uh, broke wide open for me. And I know mm. so many trans and non-binary people within bi communities across the globe. And it really upsets me when people say, well, bi means two, so it reinforces the binary. And I was yeah. like, straight or gay is no less binary, you know, in our world exactly. than bi. So I, yes, it's one of my pet peeves. And <laughs> so. I mean, it, it really, it really does irk me because I feel like, I think I, I even read some stat the other day that there's like a very large number of a percentage of trans people are bisexual. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and it's like, it's just very dismissive. And then honestly, the worst thing I think is when people uh, try to, even say that bisexuality is binary and they try to make a distinction between like cis bisexual people and trans bisexual, like men and women specifically. I'm like, what? Like (laughs) that was ever a conversation. And I actually read that that was where the term pansexual kind of one of the reasons that it was sort of like brought about was from that original like transphobic idea um, of like, you know, separating cis men and, and uh, trans men and cis women and trans women. Um, so it's, it's just interesting because pan is seen as kind of like the right one, you know? Oh, by, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and it, it just never, the word never like hit me right. And I'm, I couldn't put my finger on it. And I think the, the whole conversation about bisexuality is really interesting. Now I'm just rambling, but it's, that's okay. It's, Rumble away. Okay. Um, it's, <laughs> It's really interesting because, and, and your book talks about this, 
it brings like the idea of labels into uh into view in a way that like that makes them be questioned um mm-hmm. because there's like when I first started telling people I was bi, you know, there's this like, well, I'm queer. Like I don't need a label. And it's like, look down upon you for needing a label, Mm -hmm. but the label can like really help you know who you are. And I think in my book, I call it like an Oh shit handle. Like the thing you grab onto Mm -hmm. in a car um, that helps you know that, that you're steady when, when things get rough. Um, But yeah, I really appreciated that your book, talked about all those different experiences and like some people who, who like labels and some people who don't and that is being totally fine. But I wanted to make sure I, I affirmed other people who like need the label by, because I certainly did. Absolutely. I did too. And I much, much more resonate with the label of bisexual. And I've had people over the years go, why don't you call yourself pansexual and you're trans and it makes more sense. And I was like, because I'm not pansexual for me, Pansexual is attracted to people of all genders or regardless of gender, whereas bisexuality is attracted to like more than one gender. And for me, uh-huh. like I am attracted to masculinity. Gender plays a part in that's, my attraction okay. and desire. And you yeah. know what I mean? And it's like, so that's different than pansexual for me, you know? And yeah. so why are you trying to give me a label? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm, I'm so happy to hear you break it down that exact way because that's been the exact thing that happened for me. Like gender is so formative in my attraction to people. Like I'm interested in the way they play with gender and like think about gender and like gender is my favorite topic in the world. So like, I hope that people are in, you know, I'm attracted to people who are interested in gender. Like it's very, it's like a very important part of my attraction. And for me, the definition of pansexual or the way that I receive the word, uh, doesn't include that. Like it's almost like more genderless, um, which there's like beauty in that for sure. Um, But yeah, there's a a Jacob Tobiah quote. I love uh, Mm -hmm. where they said that like when they envision a future, like a a future in a a positive future around gender, like they don't envision everyone in like gray tracksuits, like uh, walking around, you know, looking identical, like, uh, the Apple 1984 ad, like they envision like people playing with gender and experimenting and it being a self-expression and a beautiful thing. And I think that's like that for me, the word bisexual, like is it uh, connotes that somehow? I don't know. Yeah, I feel the same, honestly. And and also I, I love folks who identify as pansexual and that term speaks to them. And, mm-hmm. and you know, ultimately, you know, the bipan fluid community, we have a lot in common. And, it, and it's also really interesting that often we're so invisible, right? Mm-hmm. In some ways, bipan fluid uh, folks are kind of the, one of the largest chunks in the LGBT community. But often um, we're not always participating in queer communities because biphobia, and I have so many stories about that, which I'm sure you do too, mm-hmm. and all this kind of harmful myths about bisexuality. And I love that your book like, is straight up uh, uses a word that's often used to talk about bisexual people, which is greedy, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't think there's a bi person who's never heard like, oh, you want your cake and eat it, eat it. You have to choose why you're so on the fence. You're so greedy. And I love that the title of your memoir is Greedy, Notes from a Bisexual Who Wants Too Much. So tell me about how that title came about and if you've had similar experience of having that greedy word thrown at you and not 
not such a nice way as a bi person. Yeah. You know, I actually haven't. And I I'm like almost wish I had because <laughs> it would be like a great opening anecdote of the of the memoir. But I, I, I thought a lot about about the title. And I think that greedy, it, I mean, it's the most fun one to reclaim. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I actually hit a lot of hurdles throughout the publishing process. Because a lot of people, people, mainly people who I hadn't talked to directly, like uh, people who just like saw the title in an email and were like approving it, you know, they were like, this is so negative. Um, and it was before we'd found that subtitle. So I think the subtitle mm. kind of made it empowering. But originally it was like greedy essays from a bisexual. And there wasn't this element of like, I'm reclaiming it. Like it's, mm. it's something that I want. But that even just communicating that to people was an uphill battle that it was reclaiming. And um, I know I quote uh, them throughout my book, but the work of Shiri Eisner really, really yes. helped me understand bisexuality as like bisexual myths as being the, the myths themselves as not being bad, like them being indications of bigger issues in our culture. And I think like if I could have named the book anything and, and like aesthetic language value didn't matter (laughs) i would have named it confused because to me to me that's been the most amazing part of bisexuality to reclaim is is by confusion and shiri Mm -hmm. uh calls bisexual confusion a destabilizing um i oh how did how am i missing this quote it's like my favorite quote um uh a destabilizing act of social change maybe um, but yeah, it's, it's such a powerful quote. I just undermined it. Um, <laughs> that's okay. I actually, okay. Yeah. Um, but, but it's such a powerful quote as is all of Sherry's work. And, um, that, that for me how, was the reading that I was like, Oh my God, I'm proud to be by like, it means mm-hmm. questioning everything and it means undermining these existing systems and it means not subscribing to boxes. And it's literally everything that I like stand for, but and then, and then my whole life, like, just made sense. Like, I was like, oh, my God. I, I was actually writing my book proposal and rereading some of Sherry's work. And because uh, I knew I wanted to feature one of their quotes in, in my proposal. Mm-hmm. And, like, heavily in my book. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I, was, I was reading and I read the destabilizing act of social change line. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, I had no idea how right this this lens was for me in terms of writing a memoir, like it, and just for my whole life. And a lot of people have asked me if it was hard to write a whole book around, like with bisexuality as the whole like shtick. Um, <laughs> but it really wasn't because it's so broad. And really what it, what it refers to is like unlearning and challenging binaries and asking questions and looking at your past and, and, you know, making sure that you're comfortable with the track you're on and uh, like confirming, checking in with yourself, seeing if you are where you want to be. And um, so th- that was really it, w- it made me fall more in love with bisexuality as I was writing. So that was fun. That's wonderful. And yes, I love Shiri's work. They're such a powerful writer and community organizer and activist. And so I'm really really glad that you mentioned that kind of destabilizing, you know, binaries and destabilizing as an act of social change. 
that I talk about because it's so important. And I feel like that that is throughout, right? All this unlearning and this challenging is is kind of woven throughout the book. And I wonder if there are specific kind of you know moments in the book or essays in the book that really speak to that the stabilizing of what you learn and kind of unlearning um, mm-hmm. particular things to do with your sexuality and or your gender? Hmm. I think, so one of my favorite essays in the book, and I'm not sure I like fully nail, I'm not sure I fully nailed it from an artistic perspective, but you can be the judge of that. Um, it's called Out of the Woods. And it's basically about, I really wanted to, I wanted to start this section that where I, it, it's the third section, it's called, I want to be queer enough. Yeah. Um, cause each of the sections are like, I want blank cause I'm greedy, et cetera. <laughs> um, but it, I wanted to make sure I started that section, like acknowledging my privilege as a white queer person among other things. And, um, so I'm, and I was thinking about like what that means to me and like what, what queerness means. And I of course turned to the work of, uh, Jose Esteban Munoz, uh, cruising utopia, which was also really like groundbreaking for me, um, especially in terms of thinking of of queerness like in a more abstract collective way. And I I was realizing like the sheer act of writing a memoir is like so individualistic, right? And so I wanted to kind of, but like I had to go through my individual journey in order to like mm-hmm. find that work and uh, understand it and understand like the idea of collective liberation. And so that essay um, attempts to talk about, about uh, like what queer liberation is and like question that and then juxtapose that with my personal, the first time that I went to a lesbian bar and felt uncomfortable. (laughs) And, um, you know, it was like a white lesbian bar. Like it wasn't like, uh, I mean, I guess it, it wasn't overly that, but when I went there, it was like a very white cis, and Mm -hmm. I felt so uncomfortable even though I had all this privilege and I I just like hadn't realized my own queerness yet and then like once I had and once I like was able to it it just allowed me to participate in something so much bigger and the essay ends talking about Brooklyn liberation which is a beautiful uh movement um it's a beautiful like I I don't want to say protest because it's so much more than that but it's basically like a, a an event where um, a happening, I guess, where um, it's they just had their second one this year. But it's organized by a bunch of queer organizers in New York, and um, it's centered around uh, trans issues and standing up for centering the trans community, specifically the trans community of color. And um, last year, the the focus was on Black trans lives. Um, this year the focus was on trans kids um, and like both of those kind of like in response to current events um, and like uh, current cultural needs. Um, but it's such a powerful space and it like truly being there made me feel connected to something in a way that my individual struggle with bisexuality never did. So mm. I think that I'm really grateful to have unlocked access to communities like that and you know even like conversations like this one with you like uh it 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 means so much to be able to just 
like this, this book, I'm so glad that my, I'm so glad my book exists because it helps me get in the door to talk to people like you, which is like, so cool. (laughs) So yeah. Well, and I, I love that you're talking about that and that you have the section, you know, I want to be queer enough because I feel there is not a bi person I've met that doesn't have that moment of like, am I queer enough? Is there space for me within the queer community as a bisexual person, right? I feel mm-hmm. that's something that a lot of bi folks face. And I think that brings up also this interesting way in which sometimes uh, cis white folks use queer Mm -hmm. to really mean gay and lesbian rather than queer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I remember once I was singing in an LGBT choir, you know, and I was like, yeah, I'm queer. And then, you know, I turned up to the concert a few months later with one of my partners, who was a cis man, and people were like, I thought you said you were queer. And I said, yes, I'm bisexual. Mm. And, And I was like, so you're not only misreading my gender, but you also have this weird expectations of what my partners would look like because mm-hmm. of my queerness, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's that kind of bi-erasure and, you know, having come out as bi in, in lesbian community once upon a time, also facing all that biphobia and suspicion of kind yes. of bi women in particular. I think there's a lot of suspicion. And, and yeah. bi men, of course, also go for their own thing and then being non-binary and trans. I feel like I've gone yeah. through many iterations of biphobia at this point. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. You you should definitely write a memoir. Um, but yeah, it is it is so interesting the way that the biphobia manifests differently, mm-hmm. like by gender. And I, I think Shiri's work also does a great job of yes. calling attention to like the, the way that patriarchy like intersects with all of it. Like, I mean, there, there's this, this idea is like now all over the internet because of a TikTok or something. Um, But the idea that like when a uh, bisexual woman, um, when when a woman comes out as bisexual, people think that she's going through a phase. And when a man comes out as bisexual, people think that he's actually gay. And Mm -hmm. what that says is that everyone should be attracted to men. So it's ultimately like a, a patriarchal, idea of course even that like state that viral statement like obviously dismisses by non-binary bisexuals um or like anyone else outside of the gender binary but uh yeah it's i i think that 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 was really interesting to me when i wrote this book i did not expect me i did not expect to talk about gender so much in it but i realized how much it had shaped my own experience and had shaped my relationship to my bisexuality specifically with like the question of like, like, is it fetish fetishization or like, is it bisexuality? Like, am I just hooking up with this girl? Cause that guy likes it or am I queer? And that just confused me for forever. Like, I mean, that, that was something that made me there's the, you talk about this in, in your book, but um, the mm-hmm. distinction between bisexuality as a behavior and an identity. Um, and that was a really important one for me to realize like, oh, this, this is like bisexuality as a behavior as portrayed by the media. Um, but mm-hmm. I am bisexual as an individual. And Absolutely. I love that you're talking about, I, I feel like you're anticipating all my questions oh, and I love good. it because <laughs> I was going to talk about gender. I do feel that there is a lot of kind of 
talking about gender in the book. And, and in a way, that's kind of bisexuality does bring up gender because it also unsettles that idea of gender and mm-hmm. who we are supposed to be, who we are supposed to be, or we are supposed to be attracted to, the roles that we're supposed to play kind of in relationships I, and all of that. I'm yeah. like loving the way you, you just said that unsettled is such a cool active verb. Actually, like I'm, I'm, I'm still like, since I wrote this book so recently, I'm still like, <laughs> Ooh, that's a great verb. But I, I think that's like so beautifully said. Yeah. It's a, it, and that's why people fear it and why they yes. project all of these stigmas onto it. Like um, the, it's, it's always really interesting to me when people are like, my bi spouse is going to cheat on me. It's like, okay, like. Straightening spouses cheat all the yeah, time. Yeah, all the, way, the time. But- 80% <laughs> so. of bisexual women are in uh, monogamous relationships. Yes. Which mm-hmm. is, which actually blew my mind. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it's like your issue is not with bisexuality. It's with monogamy. And yes. Shiri also says that like bisexuality is, a, is often positioned as like a scapegoat for these systems. Mm-hmm. And I love that as well. But sorry, I cut you off to like fan no, out cut- about what you said. <laughs> I'm loving this. I'm oh, loving great. the back and forth. So don't worry about cutting me off at all. Okay. Um, no, I mean, that's what I wanted to talk about. Gender is such a part in the journey of you know, discovering and accepting and embracing and all whichever verb we want to use around bisexuality, but also find it plays such a role in dating while bisexual. You know, I've, I've gone mm-hmm. from dating as a, a bisexual femme, basically, to dating as a more transmasculine kind of non-binary person and definitely the so-called erotic capital, you know, change, right? When I was perceived as a bi femme it was like being bisexual is cool also you might encounter some biphobia by -hmm. lesbians but at the same time you know there is almost this kind of um acceptance in the broader social context of kind of um bi femme bisexuality kind of expressions but but it also brings up uh, which you kind of lose then in some ways when you present as more masculine. But I'm just really curious about um, kind of your experiences with dating while bisexual and also in terms of how your gender is perceived, right? Yeah. Uh, while dating as bisexual. Does that make sense? Well, yes. Yes. <laughs> so um, that was a lot of words. I mean, it's interesting <laughs> because I, I, well, no, I, I think it does make sense. Like, uh, my partner and I talked about like someday being like opening up our relationship, mm-hmm. um, but, and being non-monogamous, but I can't, I mean, I'm, I'm not interested in that right now. So that probably informs why I can't really think about this, but I can't imagine myself on a date with a straight man. Like I literally can't imagine it because I'm like, what will we talk about? Cause I, <laughs> I don't. I mean, it's, it's not that I'm not like attracted to straight men. Like I still am. That's, you know, uh, part of, I mean, I, I would say like of, of men, I am most attracted to bisexual men. Like I'm just most attracted to queer people. Um, and I, I, I think it took me a really long time because of the stereotypical like gender presentation of myself Mm -hmm. and of a lot of my friends. Um, it took me a long time to like realize that I like had built an amazing group of queer friends. Like almost all my friends are queer. Like almost all of the people I hang out with are like gay men. 
Um, I like now all my, now that I'm in a relationship with someone who has been out as a queer person for much longer than me, um, are like everyone we hang out with is queer. (laughs) Um, and it's not like a prerequisite. It's just how it happens, but it never happened at like, you know, the bisexual bar because that's not really a thing. And so it was really, that felt really challenging. Um, but uh, apparently there is a bisexual bar in New York um, and I'm going there tomorrow to celebrate my book launch. So yay, yay. it's called <laughs> mood ring. Um, yes. But yeah, it's a great bar. I didn't know it was bisexual until now. Um, but I think uh, my partner, when we, when we went on our like first date or early, early date, um, yeah. my partner was like, Oh, you're going to love me because I'm, basically a gay man, but I'm attracted to you. And I was like, wow, I think that is the gender that I'm attracted to. And uh, I mean, my partner identifies as bisexual, but that's like how they self-described. And Mm -hmm. I think uh, like that, that really like felt great. Um, And I mean, kind of is our, our dynamic to this day. Um, But I, I think I, I was also, Oh, I have a I have a more succinct answer to your question now. So when <laughs> it I doesn't was, have to be succinct. Okay, well, Go for it. <laughs> good because I, I shouldn't overpromise. Um, but when I was going on dates with women, it was really like complicated for me to make sense of when we were both femme presenting. And yes, I think it's really interesting the way that that informs like a dynamic because I I think I am like I don't think my gender presentation is ever going to like. Like, uh, I don't think I'm ever going to present masculine, but like in terms of like stereotypical masculine qualities, like I have many, um, and my energy is slightly more masculine. And I think it's like, I, I didn't know how to sit with that in when I was on a date with like a femme woman. Cause also I didn't really know what I was attracted to. Like somebody mm-hmm. asked me what my type was and I was like, uh, I have no idea. Like I had just been like curbing these desires for so long. I hadn't even allowed mm-hmm. myself to like question it. And then there, there is, I read a, a bit about this, uh, like often when femme presenting people um, are like attracted to more masculine people, there's this like uh, dialogue that comes up of like, oh, well, why don't you just be with a man and obviously that's just or or like are you just straight and I think I thought that that would cancel out like I think I thought if I wasn't attracted to femme women I wouldn't be bisexual enough and I I like am attracted to femme women (laughs) um but I I just didn't all, all of that swirling through my brain without the words for it like I couldn't be like fun and flirty like at the bar you know I I was just so so terrible. There's a date that's not even in the book with someone we we like went to a really nice restaurant. It was a first date. I was super excited. Um and then I literally talked they asked me they were like, "Oh, so uh like they they like called me a lesbian at some point and I was like, "I am bisexual." And then I literally talked the whole time about like, maybe I am, maybe I'm not, maybe I am. I don't know. And like, at the end of the date, I was like, that was really fun. Let's do it again. And the person was like, I'm not sure that I had as great of a time as you. And they, they like, 
were very kind about it when I, when I like texted them for a next date, but you know, it, that sucked. Um, and I think I was so in my head, it felt amazing to just be out of my head on a date. Um, but it was like, obviously not enjoyable for the, for my suitor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it makes sense to me that, like, I feel that that's part of the unsettling, right? When you're bisexual, it's like, whichever gender you were kind of, you are and you're dating seems to influence so many things, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of when I was kind of, you know, uh, within lesbian community it was fine if I was dating women, but then the minute I started dating a cis man, it was like this, I lost, you know, 90% of my friends. And then I remember close friends kind of refusing to go to like a theater performance. We had planned to go together because I disclosed that I was starting to date the cis dude. And then they were like, well, now you can go and cry about how terrible it is to be bisexual. And I was like, yes, because oh my God. it is. I was like, you were just like so mean, right? To me, yeah. because of that. And it's been so interesting to have this trajectory, you know, and uh, and then how confusing it can be for femmes to date femmes, even like, are we flirting? Are we not flirting? Mm-hmm. What is happening here? Yeah. And then I, that's kind of, yeah. Well, absolutely. well, I just, I want to quote a part or like reference a part from your book that I really love also is like the binary. I mean, I love how you like call out all these binaries that you might not even yes. see as binaries. Like, um, the, the difference between partners and, and friends. And, um, like that one is so interesting in terms of like queerness, because, um, like there will be, you know, there was literally a pandemic. I lost my sex drive, like for several months, um, as did like millions of people across the world. Um, and, uh, it, like I, my partner and I, like at times we would be like, are we like becoming friends? What's happening? But like, if it had been a, I mean, we're not, <laughs> it, it, everything has returned. We're fine. Um, even though we would still be fine, even if I hadn't, but, um, but if we were in like a typical cis hetero relation, like partnership, that would never, you would never have that question. You would, you would question it the other way. Like if you were friends and you were like living together, you'd be like, oh, maybe we should hook up because it's like the trajectory that the world tells you to follow. Yeah. Um, but absolutely. But it's really mm-hmm. awful to hear all that biphobic. I'm so sorry that that happened because it really like, I mean, obviously you've triumphed and turned it into like <laughs> a, amazing like work on on gender and sexuality psychology. But um it it really I do think that like the overt biphobia is probably worse from the queer community, um, mm-hmm. especially like as a as a femme person, the like men would always be like, cool, like that's awesome. That's hot. Like, I don't think any any of them ever thought that they would like lose me to that side or something. You know, it, mm-hmm. it was non-threatening in a way. And um, yeah. But I, I think uh, I was talking to some of my partner's friends who um, all identify as lesbians. I was talking to like three lesbians and they were like, we, it was like late in the night and we were like kind of drunk and they were like coming clean with me. And they were like, I never used to date a bi person. Like, it's yeah. really like something that I was like taught not to do because it would like, mm-hmm. you know, be, be threatening to the relationship and um it's just it's such a bummer because so much of that is just patriarchy and not 
bisexuality and and even like when there are like the instances of um the like i guess i i'm trying to avoid the the term but like the street person who like a lesbian hooks up with yeah. quote unquote like even when that does happen um like some some of that is like internalized by phobia for the person who is not like open to being like i'm i'm bisexual and you know it's like it it just it really impacts all of us so deeply and i i think like even even the sheer fact of it being easier to date uh someone like in a in a cis hetero relationship oh my god uh i don't know if you've seen lil nas x's um uh cover of jolene yes yeah okay great <laughs> i'm glad to be able to to talk about something other than my book um it's exhausting but um, I thought that that was a really beautiful uh, mm. portrayal of like um, the defeatedness that like a queer person feels when they lose their partner to like quote unquote straight culture. I think I saw this because yes. Shiri tweeted about it and realizing. Um, <laughs> so thank you, Shiri, again. No, Shiri. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it like that, that, I, honestly, I think that cover helped me understand where biphobia comes from a bit more. Like, I, it was really moving to me. Um, and one of the commenters was like, Dolly Parton sings it like she's pleading. Lil Nas X sings it like he's already defeated. And I just thought that was really well said and, like, speaks to the way a lot of queer people probably feel. And then it becomes about projection of that fear and you know the powerlessness we all feel when we face the patriarchy right and i love that you're talking about that because they are a manifestation of like just the power of that cis heteronormative patriarchal standards right that's why often cis men don't feel threatened by by femmes bisexuality because they don't view queer relationships as valid in air quotes, mm-hmm. as straight mm-hmm. relationships. And on the other hand, you know, lesbians feel super threatened by by femmes who might date a man because that legitimacy, right, of a relationship that's perceived as heterosexual, you mm-hmm. know, is seen as so powerful. Um, but and then, you know, and then there's by folks left in the middle <laughs> where yeah. it's, you know, <laughs> and absolutely. Well, and yeah. Yeah, go mm-hmm. no, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to say, I mean, it brings up the conversation of like by privilege, um, which yes. I, I had a really hard time, like finding the the right words to explain why it's not mm. a thing in the book. Like, yes, or, or, like originally in that FAQ that I ended up deleting, I was like, I, I tried like so many different things to like ex- explain it. And then I like finally got it kind of succinct. But it's really just the, the sheer idea that like being closeted is not a privilege. It's not to say that being in a relationship that the world perceives as heterosexual doesn't have privileges. But I, I think that that distinction can be really, there's so much nuance to like these conversations. And that's like why I'm obsessed with bisexuality and like why I think it's the best. Um, Cause I, I love nuance. Um, but it's, it's so difficult for people to grasp and it forces a lot of people who, especially like lesbian and gay people who've been like, Oh, this is my identity. You know, they haven't had to, they haven't had to unpack binaries in the same way 
at least through their sexuality. Like you might have mm-hmm. through many other ways, but like bisexuality is a forcing function to make you do that. Absolutely. And, and that's, you know, I'm with you. I really hate when people talk about bi folks having heterosexual privilege, especially or bi privilege. Mm-hmm. Cause I was like, it is not a privilege, first of all, to be perceived. Uh, kind of as heterosexual. And then it has a huge impact on mental health. It's very isolating, right? That's why it's not a privilege. But I think there is this perception that our sexual identity is completely determined by the relationships we're in. Mm -hmm. Even recently, because I teach about sexuality, somebody reached out to me to be like, how can I even talk about like a bi person who's in a relationship that appears heterosexual? And I said, Oh, that's a mixed orientation relationship. Ah, yes. You know, one person mm-hmm. is bisexual and the other person is not. And I said, you know, people have sexual identities and orientation, not relationships. Mm-hmm. But very few people know the term mixed orientation relationship and the kind of bundle, like the gender of your partner determines your sexual identity. And that yeah. that is so... Yeah, it really erases bisexuality in every way, I feel. Yeah, um, I love that term. I have been, I like didn't really even know that term. I sort of did, mm-hmm. but because I, I recently, I, I run this newsletter called the Bi-Monthly and I, That's right. <laughs> haha, and I um, <laughs> uh, did a one about, about quote, straight passing relationships, mm-hmm. um, which I'm not sure if that's the right term, but um, like hetero, I don't, I don't yeah. know that it is, but hetero presenting. Um, yeah essentially mixed orientation. And yeah. that was more what I was curious about because I, I didn't need it to only be hetero presenting, like, you know, relationships in the queer community, like also very, like they, they have the similar struggles. And um, so I got like, normally I did a question sticker on my Instagram and like on like a good day, I'll get like 300 replies or like, that's like a huge response. Mm-hmm. Um, but for this question, I got thousands. Like, I don't even think I can yes. read them all. I kept scrolling and they just kept, oops, I hit the mic. I, I kept <laughs> scrolling and they, they kept showing up. And it was just clear that this was like a topic that people did not like have, like had such a hunger to discuss um, because that community is so like often erased. Like people just were like, so excited to, t- to be like, I'm bi. And like, this is how my partner received it. Or like my partner doesn't know, or it made me not want to come out for a long time. Or like, I was worried that I, I could only come out if I wanted to be non-monogamous and like all those things came up just in, in droves. So that was really fascinating. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's because people lack language that they're not to talk mm-hmm. about being in a relationship mm-hmm. with somebody who's the same gender as them or another gender from them, you know, and, and whether they share an orientation or not. And, and that language is not fluent, even in queer community, yes. you know, let alone if folks are kind of more immersed in this hetero world. Oh, totally. I feel like I could talk with you forever. Like I'm, there's so many things I want to talk to you about. I'm loving it. <laughs> well, you you can cut this from the podcast, but uh, I <laughs> can stay on until 4.15 if you want. Okay, uh, that's I, good my, to know. Therapist, my therapist confirmed. So... <laughs> 
<laughs> that's really sweet to hear. Thank you. Okay. I, yeah, I, uh, you know, I, that's the other thing that I feel whenever we talk about bisexuality on social media, there is a huge response because there is so much pain, I think, within bi community, right? Yeah. And I love that even in your content warning, you know, this, there are no closer shelves in the bookstore than dating and horror. Mm-hmm. That really <laughs> struck me when I was reading your book and I was like, Wow, yes, that I feel though that's a really good yeah <laughs> definition of what it looks like sometimes. Yeah. I you know, I have to credit one of my friends who helped me write that joke. Like I, I throughout the book writing it's, process, I was like texting my two really like funny friends and I was like, Help, mm-hmm. need something funny in the content. And like uh one of my friends came up with that idea and I was like, That's brilliant. Um that but, is brilliant. You know, yes. um, you know, everything's a collaboration. But um but mm-hmm. yeah, I I it, now it makes me look brilliant. So that's good. Um <laughs> there you go. but yeah. Um I I really do think that's true. And I love that you just said, well I don't like love the idea, but I love the way you mm-hmm. put it that the bi community has so much pain. Because I really think that is what it is. Like even my therapist who's like still my therapist who I'm talking to after this um, when for years I was like, yeah, like I think I'm bisexual, like da da da, and it was never like she always glossed over it, uh, and I always thought it might be because she was like not equipped to deal with like a queer like storyline in my life, like she didn't want to mm-hmm. lose me as a client. Um, but now in hindsight, I'm like, mm, there was definitely some biphobia there, and I don't blame her because. I like, and I, I really do appreciate her as a therapist and now she's great. Um, but when I started dating my friend, Ben, who's in the book, who's a bisexual cisgender man, mm-hmm. um, he, uh, like we had opened our, we only dated for like six months cause we were like not a match, but we, we tried and we <laughs> opened our relationship so that we could like explore our bisexuality on the side. And, um, I remember talking to my therapist about that and she just like sort of was like hmm yeah but like if you now if I was to tell my therapist we were going to open our relationship it would be like massive uh you know even the, the same therapist um and I think mm-hmm. I was also being really dismissive of it like I think the way I talked about it probably made it seem like it was a phase or a thought or something and mm-hmm. even when I came out I didn't even like tell her I didn't tell my therapist it just didn't feel like that big of a deal. But when I started talking about it, I noticed this massive response. And like, I got so many DMS, like, Oh my God, there's a huge community here that like, doesn't have anywhere to go. And there's another essay in my book uh, called cuff jeans and feeling seen. Um, Yeah. And it's a, it's about like by culture as an, as a meme. Um, And I think that the meme is, is basically like, if you say something is bi-culture, it automatically becomes bi-culture. Like cuff jeans, obviously like any one of any gender can cuff their jeans, you know, but when bisexuals do it, like, it's like, Oh, that's the bisexual thing to do. And I was like, I like, I'm obsessed with memes, like love memes. Um, <laughs> always have, uh, as I mentioned in the book, I used to write a column about memes for my college newspaper. Um, but I, I was thinking about it and I was like, oh my God, this is like the same as bi erasure in real life because the idea that everyone is bisexual basically means that no one is bisexual. And I think that's like the sneakiest microaggression of all Absolutely. of them. Isn't everybody just a little bit bisexual? And isn't women's sexuality kind of fluid anyway? And, mm-hmm. it's, and there's almost like... Um, 
kind of looking at bisexuality as part of immaturity, which interestingly, it's like really parallel to how a lot of us trans folks are treated in terms of gender too. I feel like I've experienced it both as a bisexual person kind of being seen as immature, it's a face or, you know, yeah. what are you doing? But also sometimes when you're trans, these people kind of infantilize you. Yeah. Right? And so there is kind of, it's interesting that those liminal identities, so to speak, or uh, identities that unsettle binaries are seen mm-hmm. as kind of immature or put in kind of this, this light, which is really hurtful. And then it's no wonder that there's such terrible pain in our community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I, you know, maybe, you know, the Instagram well-meaning cishets. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very, I learn a lot from that, like of what not mm-hmm. to do. Um, and I saw one the other day that was really funny. Uh, that was like, so are you finished transitioning? Like as if, as if it's ever something that is, that is done. Um, and it, yeah. And I think like the beauty to me of bisexuality, means like sitting forever in uncertainty. And like, that's Mm -hmm. like, like, you know, that's like a meditative, like sounds like Buddhist idea. You know, it's like, we are like, you're able to sit with that uncertainty and, and just like trust that, that like the water will flow and it will like take you where to go. I'm, I'm not a Buddhist. This is my attempt at, at like <laughs> writing an impromptu proverb, but um, I, and I think like trans identity is very similar. I like, I find that I connect with a lot of trans people like really well um, or like almost immediately, like we have like a shared understanding. And I think it's because um, there's, like a similar like men- mental work that you have to do in order to identify as bisexual and also to or- like identify as trans and to be trans. Um, and I think like the most beautiful descriptions I've ever heard about, about being trans and what it means is like just uh, relishing like the fluidity and the impermanence of it. Like it, it re- I relate so much to it in terms of the way I see my bisexuality. So, I mean, honestly, like whatever people find that word or that idea and whatever makes them feel affirmed. Like, I think that's a really important concept that I hope that like everyone can grasp. But I think that I, I'm so happy to be queer now. The earlier you were, <laughs> uh, you were saying something that was not funny, but I started laughing Oh, you were talking about heterosexual privilege. Um, And I was laughing because my partner, like I I had posted an Instagram story about heterosexual privilege, like, um, or like, did you experience any privilege in these relationships? And my partner just responded and was like, if somebody like calls me straight, like I'm going to like get in their face or something. Like (laughs) my partner is like, so in, in fact, we both done a lot of unlearning throughout this process. And one of, one of the funniest things that they said um, there, I forget if I like name their identity, but before I say this anecdote, I will, they're trans non-binary and they use they, them pronouns. And um, when we first started dating, uh, we were talking about whether like a trans man in a relationship with a woman is straight or, or not. And mm-hmm. um, we both had a lot of, unlearning to do around it. But, um, and you, you can kind of see it evidence through this conversation. I was like, yes, like the trans, the man is straight, like, because they're a man in a relationship with a woman, they're straight or like potentially bisexual. You know, I was acknowledging 
Yes. That potential. <laughs> I was like, uh, that. And then uh, my partner was like, no, they're not. And they like refused to elaborate. This was like on our first, mm. first date. And I was like, very in that phase of my unlearning, I was like, like, you know, I thought it was more important to prioritize the, the person's gender, like them being like, if you're a trans man, you're a man, like, so you're straight. And so we had the same fight for, for a very long time. And um, then one day my partner was like, I just don't think it's fair that you would say that that person is straight. <laughs> like, I just don't think it's fair to them. Mm. And I was like, oh, you like really hate straight people. <laughs> um, but <laughs> so that was what I found. But then we both realized we had like, you know, big gaps in our idea there. Like, uh, for one, like you, like many trans people in like mixed orientation or like hetero presenting mm -hmm. relationships um, identify as queer and that's like, they're, they're separate. And I think, uh, your, your book does such a great job of highlighting all these different scales uh, or like levels of the, of binaries to unpack. I think you say it's like a landscape rather than a mm -hmm. continuum. Yeah. Yes. I yeah, do talk about gender as a landscape. Yes. yes. <laughs> I love it. And, and actually another thing I discovered through your book is the work of Sari Von Anders. Mm -hmm. Um, yes. And, mm -hmm. um, the which I, I believe is like referenced in a footnote in my book. Um, yeah, I, I had a much longer section about it because I really wanted to talk more about like allosexual and aromantic um, mm -hmm. identity um, and and asexual identity. And um, I, I like it was in the FAQ and, you know, but um, that I really loved thinking of sexuality in that model, like it was so helpful to me to be like, oh, it's like so not binary. Like even these continuums are fake. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Yeah. And yes, yeah, Sari's sexual configuration theory does yes. such a great job of that. And then, you know, I do think that there is this organic affinity between bi and trans communities mm -hmm. in terms of identities and organizing. And Lauren Beach and I used to do a, a workshop um, about this kind of bi and trans organizing. Why is there an organic affinity? Because it is kind of, uh, it's the unsettling again, right? It always comes back to this unsettling unlearning. Mm -hmm, and, um, mm -hmm. and that's why I love that it's kind of woven through the book, but in so many different kind of lived in experiences, if that makes oh, sense. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I, I like did not like, I was not like born understanding any of this. So I felt like exactly. it was very important for me to like acknowledge that and it actually was a challenge from a writing perspective in terms of like when I was writing about my bisexuality in the past tense, like I did not have an understanding of gender that had my bisexuality be gender inclusive for a majority of time. So it was like like I, I did put like all genders or whatever the the options were on Tinder, you know, but um I like didn't I didn't understand. Um and so I had to be I want, but it was so important to me to make sure that the definition of bisexuality is seen as like being gender inclusive. And mm -hmm. so that was a challenge. Like with every time I made reference to like, I want to hook up with this woman. I like felt weird saying that because it felt like it undermined my point about uh, the binary thing. But I, so I tried to frame it all through this like lens of myself kind of looking back. 
Yeah, and I love that at the end of your book, I think I think it is right at the end where you have gender, a timeline, right? And so uh, gender is a drag, a timeline, mm-hmm. right? That's actually the exact uh, title, I think, of the last part of the book. And so it, it does feel like there is this thread. And I wonder why you chose to kind of have that as the end of your memoir. Yeah, well, I mean, truly... I was trying to figure out how I was going to end the book. And I was also wrestling Mm -hmm. with my gender identity and it was the pandemic um, when I think a lot of people were wrestling with their gender identities and I was, or their genders. Um, I'm trying to stop saying gender identity because it's just your gender. But um, I, yeah, I, I ultimately I was like having this kind of realization while I was writing it that like, Oh, I I had all this like self gatekeeping I did around the term mm-hmm. bisexuality, and I'm just applying that all over again to like being non binary. Like, who do I have to who do I have to prove? <laughs> and and then when I asked my partner, I was like, "What is non binary?" And they're like, "I don't know." Like, you tell me. You know, I was like, "Oh, like this is another thing that's it's just another thing that if I like it, it's it can be mine and it can mean be meaningful to me." Um, and I, I try not to take up like too much space with my, my non-binary identity. Um, but I, I'm, I'm really happy. I kind of like committed to it because, uh, in, in the beginning, I, I definitely still felt a bit more comfortable with she, her pronouns. And now I'm getting really comfortable with they, them pronouns. Like, and I like, love Mm -hmm. it. I'm like, yeah, that's like, and, and I don't think I would have done that. Like, I don't think I would have done that outright. Like, uh, and so I'm, I'm really happy that, 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 um, has kind of been my journey, even just like throughout this book tour. Um, like, I'm like, oh good. They use they pronouns. Uh, like, you know, <laughs> it's, I guess I do have a preference between, between them now, um, which I didn't used to, but, um, I, I put that timeline at the end because it felt like bisexuality, everything I'd learned about bisexuality was now kind of a, a, a tool in my toolbox to address the questions of gender. And while I was writing that chapter, I was like, hold up in this house in Vermont, which I I mentioned. Um, And I was like going, I I was, I was questionably, it was questionable if I was like, okay. (laughs) Cause I was like, I would write from like 6am to like midnight and then like sleep Mm -hmm. for a few hours and like wake up and write. I was like talking out loud to myself in like a British accent. It was so weird. (laughs) Um, But it it was, it was the pandemic. I know. Yeah. I think everyone's doing that. But yeah, yeah, that was like, that was like my crunch time for the book. Um, Mm -hmm. And the only breaks I would give myself were occasionally I would go on TikTok. And I, uh, right before I had written that chapter, I went on TikTok and I found like some meme on my for you page where, Someone uh, like it it was someone who was like looking at the sky, like kind of content. And they were like me after finally figuring out I'm bisexual. And they were like smiling and nodding. And then it would like cut to to them themselves, like sneaking in the door. And then there would be like text that would be like she, they pronouns or like, you know, it was always (laughs) a question of gender next. And I went and I looked at the meme and there were like hundreds of posts like this. And I was like, oh, my God, this is a, a journey that bi people go through because it's like, I think for, for me coming out at, like through my sexuality was like the like only access point I ever felt like I had. Um, like I can't imagine coming out as uh, like 
non-binary before I came out as bisexual. Like it feels like such a bigger deal for my mm-hmm. person. Um, but bisexuality is what made me comfortable to have those conversations and to ask those questions. And so when, when I found out that that was like a thing uh, that, that by people, I just got a letter one of my first like emails from a reader who was like, thank you for writing this. I'm having the same personal arc. Um, and that like just made me so, I mean, it made me feel affirmed in my arc and my journey. So that's, that's really been the coolest part. And yeah, thank you for reading all the way to the end. I like, can't believe, I still can't believe it. <laughs> of course. And, and the love that title too, that gender is a drag, because, you know, growing up, I used to say that I felt like I was in drag and people would be like, eh, but it's not possible because you're femme presenting mm-hmm. and you're assigned female at birth. And then I was like, surprise, 30 years later. Yep. Right? And, <laughs> wow. and for me, it was the same. You know, I think that lots of people see trans identity first, but for me, it was always like, bisexual identity first right mm-hmm. you know exploring my queerness I was a lesbian for like five minutes I mean three years mm-hmm. and then you know it was actually kind of really embracing my bisexuality that then led to kind of gender queerness and eventually kind of a trans non-binary identity and I think that happens for a lot of people yeah and that trajectory for more people than we know um, and it, you know, and I think that really resonates with folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it goes back to what you were saying earlier about um, bisexuality unsettling the idea of gender, um, exactly. in, and like all all questions about it. Like it felt so much less like less of a big deal to be like, mm-hmm. oh, maybe like I'll try this on. Like I used the confusion as like like it was I I was gonna say a weapon, but I don't like that. Um, but like <laughs> I used the confusion, you know, as like a a compass in a way and like a map um, that I could like, it helped me apply those same ideas to, to gender. And absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, And then, you know, by community is just so embracing of gender expansiveness. At least that was my experience. Yeah. And I know it's very difficult, very very difficult, very different. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, Very different to come out. Like when there is like so much social media and access, you know, you know, I come out more in like, physical community because I'm way older than you I think well so it's really interesting to notice like the different discourses I guess I mean like if we had more time I would love to hear about that because I don't think I've ever been in a physical space that is like a bisexual space um oh my god it's the best I can imagine well so my (laughs) friend and I actually we were we were going to start a party uh that was going to be called the bi-monthly um, before the pandemic and then the pandemic happened and I was like, I'm taking the title for my newsletter. But, um, I, I, I think that there's such a need like, and, and there are these like fluid, sexually fluid parties in, in New York. Um, and I think it's no coincidence that a lot of them are mm-hmm. like center queer people of color, um, yeah. and like black and indigenous queer people, because that like the idea of binaries is like a very colonial idea absolutely Um, Mm -hmm. and and so i mean there there are a lot of these fluid parties but like i'm craving something that's just like bisexual and i don't even know choke spaces are the best oh they really are oh my god well i would well another time we'll have to talk about that because i would love to like hear what that what that looks like like i can't even really imagine it um or i mean if you want to say 
<laughs> quickly. What I it's feel like. like I feel like we need to have a whole other episode just to talk uh, about sure. spaces and social media. But like very quickly, I think for me, the first I went to Bicon for the first time in the UK. Mm, 20 yes. years ago and and of course not that bygone is not you know uh, devoid of problems like any other community but even just being in a space mm. with queer people where all sorts of queer all sorts of genders it was it really was like coming home it was like taking oh. a breath and knowing the possibility of queerness in every way not just oh. in terms of my sexuality but my gender and then Oh, I have stories about bicolor party in Amsterdam. That was really fun. But uh, yes. Oh, yes. Amazing. I, would, I feel like we should do a whole other episode. About- I would love, I mean, I'm honestly, <laughs> yeah, I would love that. Yeah. I, I'll probably Let's reach out to you because I still am trying to, I want to do something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And it would be very cool to collaborate in some way. So Stay yeah, and, you know, up here, we just finished the Because Conference, which is yeah. another big bisexual conference mm-hmm. up in the Midwest. So, yeah, I would love to talk about BySpace. Yay. Okay, moment. yeah. Well, I'm here for oh. any episodes all the time. This was this was lovely. That sounds great. Well, I'm aware of time, and I want to be respectful of your time. And one question that I always ask all my guests at the end is, is there anything we haven't talked about that you would like to make sure it's in this episode? <laughs> hmm. I guess I just, just like, cheers to all the bi people listening. And cheers, I don't know, cheers to everyone listening, but especially the bi people. Um, and... I mean, I'm just happy to be here. I think we covered a lot of ground. So we did cover a lot of we're ground. Good. So thank you so much. And cheers to all the bi non-binary bisexuals Woo. out there. And 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 everybody of any gender or sexuality, please buy Jen's book, Aww. Greedy, Notes from a Bisexual Who Wants Too Much. It's really good. I recommend it. Aww. And um, thank you again, Jen, for being with us today. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. Had a great time. Thank you. And thanks, listener, for listening to another episode and for keep following gender stories. I look forward to the next episode. Uh